listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. It was announced earlier today that Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback come week one for the Denver Broncos. He was obviously in a competition during training camp and in the preseason with one Drew Locke. This goes against all of our rationale. So what is that rationale? What is that thought process that the football observers have? Is you want the Teddy Bridgewater is emotionally rock solid. He went through a catastrophic injury. He actually went through, if you recall, a, a, a pretty significant fall in the draft. This was a guy at various points, they thought top five, perhaps, in the draft, his year coming out. And then you hear the Teddy Two gloves, and he shouldn't have worn his glove during the pro day. And then the injury. Then having to go to New Orleans. Now Then going to Carolina. Now to Denver. You're thinking, this guy is not fragile. He's durable. So almost like Fitzpatrick last year, it was like, okay, he's going to start some games. Maybe we'll put him in in relief in some games. And the swings are not going to mess with him. Drew Locke, on the other hand, seems more fragile. Seems like someone that's got the talent. You just got to get it lined up right. Got to make sure he's in the right environment. But boy, oh boy, he has all the upside. If we had to say one to 100... How much upside does Drew Locke have compared to Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, do we really think we're going to see anything from Teddy that we haven't seen already, even post-injury? AJ, you don't have a ton of optimism that Teddy's going to be some tools guy, that his arm just got so much strong. I mean, we all got eyes. It's not happening. Yeah, that's the opposite of what Teddy is. Teddy's a a safe, steady-as-you-go type guy. So why start the safe, steady-as-you-go type guy when he is waiting there for the fallback position? Jonas, I can't remember who it was last yesterday, but you were talking about, hey, if you start this guy, you can't go back. It might have been in uh, Andy Dalton, perhaps. Yeah. Where, but doesn't that rationale, and maybe you can reiterate it, doesn't that contradict this decision? It feels like saying no to Locke now is almost like saying no for the whole season. Yeah, it's also, I think, saying that they don't have a whole lot of confidence in Drew Locke. Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, they don't know what they have with Justin Fields, so you're going to give him an opportunity to go out there and prove it, and if he doesn't perform, then you make that decision, I would think, next year after you make the decision to start him this year. This one feels like... They really like their defense a lot, and they don't trust Drew Locke being able to not turn over the football and put him in bad spots in games, and so therefore they're taking the guy who's going to make less mistakes as opposed to the guy with the higher upside. I agree with that 100%. The surprise to me is how it would make any sense to do it in this order, meaning Teddy Bridgewater, until we see that he doesn't have a massive upside, okay, we know that now, but okay, and then give Drew Locke a chance? Or is this a sign, AJ, that Drew Locke's not getting a chance? That, as Jonas said, they know what they've got. They Because here's the thing. Let's say you thought there was a 5% chance that Drew Locke was going to turn into another, a ne- take a step forward, let's say. Because if you look at his uh, big-time throws, as PFF does, they're very high. He's like fifth or sixth in the league, raw number, or, or I, per drop back, his number of big-time throws is really right up there in the top tier. But so are his bad throws, the turnover-worthy plays, as they call them. So now the trade-off is, do you want less big plays and less bad plays or more? 
Well, the theory is, okay, Drew Locke at the current ratio is not an appealing or at his past ratio, what we've seen on the field. The equation doesn't work. Yeah, we like the big time throws, but there's too many bad throws. But you could hope maybe the bad throws get cut by 30% and the big time throws stay the same. Now you've got a starting quarterback. Even if you thought the odds were only 1 in 25% of that, isn't that better to roll the dice with him than to put Teddy Bridgewater in? Because the odds of him being a true starter that can take you somewhere is almost zero. So even though Drew Locke, the bottoms of his performance, the bad ones are going to be worse. Denver, without a good quarterback, I'm not sure where they can go. How don't you give Drew Locke a chance, even if it's a 1-in-20 shot, that he could take that step? Yeah, I think it's a, it's the the more safe route. And particularly well, when you— The more safe route is Bridgewater. Right, but like if, if is safe going to get you past the Chiefs? Probably not. You know, no matter how good your defense is, at some point you've got to you've got to get great quarterback play, and I don't know that Bridgewater's got it. The other thing that fascinates well, well, me about it's this It's not that you don't know. You do know. We we do, we know it'd be a big shock if he's all of a sudden a different player. I, I think what's really fascinating is Teddy Bridgewater is on the last year of his deal. Drew Locke, they have next year too. Like, why wouldn't you want to see if if you've got this guy? Like, you you've got him for next year too, uh, Teddy. Uh, yeah, remember Bridgewater. Remember this about Bridgewater. Carolina brought in Sam Darnold. They said, okay, we had enough of Teddy, which, again, as a locker room guy, I've never heard bad things about him at all. So it really was confusing when they made the trade like for a conditional seventh-round pick, and Carolina is paying 70% of Bridgewater's yeah. salary. So you're literally saying, we're almost paying to get this guy out of here, and Sam Darnold's your starter? I mean, to me, that's either they thought Bridgewater was so bad he was worthless or they're trying to protect Sam Darnold from seeing ghosts or whatever. And I don't know. We can set that aside for now. But Denver got him on a free roll. And the fact that he's better than Locke in the eyes of Denver, I think it could say one thing. But let's get Jonas's kind of closing thoughts. And I'm going to propose a theory at the very end. Teddy Bridgewater was critical of the Carolina Panthers coaching staff and practice habits after he left Carolina and I wonder if he left there on bad terms and that's part of the reason why they shipped him out and were willing to pay so to do it I I also and it's funny because we were having this conversation I was talking to to Brady Quinn about it and he was convinced Teddy Bridgewater all the way through was going to be the starting quarterback even though the odds said different and we kept disagreeing we kept disagreeing and his point was Vic Fangio has loved Teddy Bridgewater for a long time really liked him a long time and from my understanding Standing, if they would have gone with Drew Locke, the leash would have been much shorter. As opposed to Teddy Bridgewater, they think it's going to do. It's going to take a lot for him to be pulled from the starting lineup to give Drew Locke an opportunity because they like him as much as they do. So everything you say right there, said right there, speaks to the idea that they've decided on Drew Locke. It's yeah. not one last chance. It's not one last date to see if yep. this is going to work out. It's I'm canceling the date, and the <laughs> papers are coming. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is, it feels like, closing the book on Drew Locke's time in Denver. His big time throws, uh, uh, seventh in the NFL percentage of throws that were big time. So if all we're saying is those highlight throws, those throws that make Sports Center. In the entire NFL, Drew Locke was number seven. 
number seven last year. Teddy Bridgewater, same stat, number 32. So literally, let me see, there's 32 teams. So yes, the very bottom of the league, big time throws when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. It's interesting. We're straight out of Vegas. Schefter, I don't know if you saw this. You probably did, Jonas. He kind of said before the announcement, he's here because he, you know, he's formerly from that beat in Denver, and he's saying, I'm here in Bridgewater. And I don't know how much longer the official announcement came out, but it, it, Schefter's comment was first. It yeah. seems to me... Oh, sorry, oh, no, Jonas. No, I was, no, was going to say, it felt like it picked up steam over the past day or so that more and more people started getting the feeling that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the guy. Does it, what does this tell you about Denver and what their goals are? Because obviously, it, it seems like if you want to if you want to make it to the playoffs, maybe this is the move. But if you want to have a chance to win the Super Bowl, you've got to have a more high upside quarterback, right? This is a good segue to what I believe is my or what is a theory of mine. Now, Sertan, they picked was it number eight? I can't remember. Uh, number seven. Number seven. A little bit early in some minds, the cornerback. It was the thought was well Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded to them why else wouldn't they pick a Justin Fields or you know Mac Jones at that point I think now Sertan's looked at outstanding by all accounts in the camp and in the games this could be one of the best if not best I mean this could be the best defense in the NFL you could also make the case that Denver has the best playmakers other than quarterback in the NFL this could be a statement that. Teddy Bridgewater, being Teddy Bridgewater, is good enough for us to compete with anyone. Now, that could be wrong. In fact, it feels wrong. But this feels like a statement either of true disdain for Drew Locke, which you think we would have heard that before. You think we would have saw it in the rotation of the quarterbacks in the preseason. I didn't see that. Or this is a statement that we are so optimistic about this team. The Denver doesn't need high variance at quarterback. They went steady as you go because you know what? Steady as you go is good enough for us to win it all. That feels like what Denver's saying. AJ, does that, I'm not asking if you agree, but don't you see this decision being very curious unless Denver thinks that? That's what they have to be thinking is that everything else is good enough that we can get by with average quarterback play. Closing word, Jones. Yeah, and I just wonder if this puts Teddy or uh, Drew Locke on the trade block. Just based on the behavior, if he's a guy that's going to be made available if a team comes asking and, and wanting to upgrade or make a move at quarterback due to an injury. Is, is Drew Locke an upgrade to anybody, really? Well, but here's the thing. Was Sam Darnold? No. Well, what did <laughs> Sam Darnold get? A conditional seventh, I guess. I, I but well, No, no, no. Sam Darnold. I'm not talking about Teddy going from Carolina. I'm saying Sam Darnold got, what was it, a two and a – and a four or something like that. I, I forget the exact terms of it, but something yeah, along. Pull those that lines. up, Mackenzie. I mean, it, it was it was a significant haul. I mean, it was a and we've seen this with Wentz. Everyone Wentz had the horrible year, and everyone was like, "Oh, did they get saddled with that contract?" Ooh, Marona, me. That was what everyone was saying, right? Except he ended up getting traded for a conditional first round pick. So if you sign a contract, the question is, is this asset have positive value or negative? Jared Goff had negative. That's why they had to, when they traded, they had to um, add a pick with Goff to get rid of him, right? Well, the fact that the Colts paid through the nose for Wentz shows that contract, we can lament it, that Philly signed him to, had a positive value that someone was willing to pay for. And oh, by the way, 
it was for Sam Darnold, yes, a six-round pick, but also a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. The sixth-rounder was for 2021, and the second and fourth-rounder were for next year. So a second and a fourth. So literally more than Jimmy G was traded for. Yeah. So in a weird way, Drew Locke, all those big time throws. If only our quarterback can get a hold, coach can get a hold of him. Maybe he's going to be good again. A la, as we talked about Buffalo and Trubisky. Who knows? Yesterday we talked about it. Trubisky might be that top ten level pick with the right coaching. And if he is, Nagy enters the category of Gase. The other the other side of that coin is if you're Denver and you, and you think you're that close. If Bridgewater were to get hurt, he is a guy with an injury history. You don't want to have a bare cupboard. You want to have somebody you can at least kind of throw out there. In a way, and let's close this, if they trade Locke, it may be a statement that they're not playing for this year as much because Bridgewater obviously has a history of, or at least one major injury. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. The Baltimore Orioles are the complete opposite of the Baltimore Ravens. They can't seem to figure it out. They have lost 19 straight games heading into tonight's action. And right now on pregame.com and first pitch coming up in a little over 15 minutes from now, it is the Angels, an almost 2-1 to favorite at the Orioles as they look to avoid losing 20 straight. Yes, except the Angels were bigger favorites when the odds opened up. So Baltimore baseball team has lost, as Jonas said, 19 straight games. We are getting into some rarefied territory here. Not Trevor Lawrence territory of, <laughs> of poor performance. Uh, this may beat Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, maybe. May, may, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. He's only had two awful games. Now, here's what's fascinating, though. The line opened up, and it showed Tawny as the starter. Big name, obviously. Minus $3,500 to be the AL MVP at this point. Looking good. <laughs> the $35 wins you a dollar, right? So about $170 wins you a Subway sandwich. So, yeah, it, he's a big favorite, but he was a bigger favorite when this line opened. The Angels were minus 225. Now they're minus 198, just almost minus 200. So the public has said, give me Baltimore, give me Baltimore. Except at pregame.com, if you go into the game center for free, you get to see what the ticket split is and what the cash split is. 88% of the tickets on the Angels. 91% of the cash on the Angels. But the odds have gone towards Baltimore. What does that mean? The wise guys are betting Baltimore with both both. This. Now, Barney at the bar. Now, now let's- Barney at the bar. I was going to play Barney's. You know, let's just play Barney's thing. Here he is. Here's Barney at the bar. Uh. Barney at the bar is saying, I wouldn't bet Baltimore with a 10 foot pole. And the wise guys are saying, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. 
So right now, Jonas, if you had to bet this, you could have the Angels, $2 wins you a dollar, Baltimore, a dollar wins you 180, let's say. Which way do you go? All right. Can I explain why I would go this way? And this is, and it'll tell you everything. When someone you need to know wants to explain okay. before they even start, you know they've got a shaky right. theory. Yes, please. I would bet on Baltimore, and here's why. Ooh. My strategy, and this is an awful strategy, and it makes no sense, but I'm going to be honest because I think a lot of people that are listening to this do the same thing. If I'm walking through a casino floor in Vegas and I'm looking at a roulette board and it's hit black 19 times in a row. I'm going to bet on red because my thought in my drunken stupor is, well, law of averages, red's got to come up soon. It, it's not applicable at all. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the way I would go. Law of averages would kick in at some point, and so I would bet Baltimore at this point. So that's called the do theory. Yeah. Now, I find a couple things interesting about this. One, Jonas somehow can project how he would think drunk. Like, yeah. Because most people, when they're drunk, they think differently than they usually do. Thus, they, it's hard to know how you'd think when you're drunk. You're saying you can project, you, you know you're drunk if you're in Vegas, and you'd think this way. Yeah, and I've had those moments in Vegas where I've bet roulette, and I tell myself, if the ball flies off the wheel, pick up your chips. And I remember one time specifically, I didn't get to it in time because I was drunk, but my mind was telling me, act faster, act faster, and I ended up losing that next turn. So I've been okay. There. All right, so a couple other things. Jonas, we have the smartest audience in radio, so maybe you would do this, and not a lot of our <laughs> listeners would. So let me ask you this, AJ. Same theory. Do you take Baltimore or the Angels? I'll take the square side here, and I, I would – I'd go with Otani over uh, the team that's lost 19 in a row. So, Jonas, if I, if I could press the green button on you, Jonas, I would press the green button. <laughs> There's no green uh, button, well, trust me. Whoa, 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 okay. All right. The wise guys go now. A lot of people, and I mean like serious, not dumb people, would say I wouldn't bet Baltimore at any price. I think the wise guys are too quick to ignore the human side of this because mathematically the line has inflated from what it would have been, uh, let's say, two weeks ago. And the question is, has Baltimore really shown themselves to be any worse? Well, they've lost a bunch of games in a row. Yeah, I, I'm not sure they have to in a 162 game season. I'm not sure what you learn in such a short period of time. But I know as human beings, there's a human element to it. Now, how much would you have made if you had bet against Baltimore every game during this streak? And you started with a lonely hundred dollars, 100, and you said, "I'm going to let it ride. Whatever I win betting against, I'm going to keep going until I go broke or own the sports book." 19 straight losses of Baltimore. You would have won off a hundred bucks two hundred and seventy one thousand dollars. A quarter mil off a hundred bucks fading them. Okay. Now, here's the interesting part. If you went and Mackenzie ran these numbers for me, if you go back and said, show me every baseball team, I think it's since two thousand four, that's lost ten or more games. If you had played on them, saying, Hey, they're no, they can't be this bad. There's value here. You would have done what in baseball, McKenzie? You'd be down 9% ROI, 17 units. 17. So if you're betting 100 a shot, you'd be down $1,700. In NFL football, if you take every team with six or more game winning or losing streak, so let's say six or more is like a really bad losing streak, if you bet them the next game, you would have won enough to cover the VIG. You'd be profitable. If all you did was fade teams on six or more game losing streaks, you'd make money long term. What's the difference? In football, if you're embarrassed, the intensity can increase and it helps your game. 
In baseball, if you're embarrassed, there is no intensity to it. It's you're either, you know, it's not about trying harder in baseball. If anything, I think it makes them more nervous. So I think a team like Baltimore in football, you'd think, let's bet them they're motivated. But I think in baseball, it makes them nervous, and nervous is bad. Ten seconds. Yeah, I, I, I think baseball is a mental game, and it, you could fall apart in a hurry. Okay, so right now, Angels are – oh, they've just ticked out minus 202 <laughs> against Baltimore. <laughs> I'm going to say not Baltimore myself because they're nervous. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 